welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I'm Connie, along with my moral compass, Meg. This is episode 42. She's going to tell us all about Gucci. Yes. Gucci, Gucci. Keeping it Gucci. Gucci. Uh, The trailer for House of Gucci came out last week. Um, which is a movie about the Gucci family and the murder of Maurizio Gucci. Plus Lady Gaga's got, in it, isn't she? It's got my girl Gaga. Lady in it. Gaga. And Adam Driver. Who is hot. He's fine. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of really great actors. And like celebrity celebrity gossip is kind of one of my like little guilty pleasures. Yep. <laughs> I just like, oh, like a lot of people like it, obviously. It's a whole yeah. industry. Um. But this story ties my two favorite topics, fashion and murder. Yeah. So I needed to know. perfect for you. It is. And I saw the trailer and I was like, nope, I cannot wait. I need to know exactly what happened. So today I'm going to talk about the assassination of Maurizio Gucci. But I'm also going to talk about the Gucci family drama. Uh, Dun, dun, dun. So in addition to trigger warnings, um, which is just kind of like... It's not too intense today. It's family drama, I guess. Some domestic abuse, but it's mostly emotional. Uh, nothing too crazy. Murder. But Murder. I, I guess you should get a spoiler alert as well. Because if you want to see this movie and you don't want to know what's going to happen in the movie, maybe don't listen to this episode. <laughs> if you, you're like me and you Google what's going to happen before you even go see a movie, hey. let's get into it. <laughs> Because Gucci is an iconic name. Mm -hmm. The House of Gucci was founded in 1921 in Florence, Italy by Guccio Gucci. His name was Guccio Gucci, isn't it? Oh, the two Gs. Yeah, yep, the back-to-back Gs, exactly. It makes sense now. It was a, a small leather shop for horsemen, but Gucci had worked in really fancy hotels before doing this leather shop thing. So he also sold luxury um, luggage that was imported. But mostly they sold like handcrafted saddles and leather bags and leather accessories. And they became so popular they had to open a larger workshop. But in 1935, thanks to Mussolini, Ethiopia and Italy went to war. In Italy, it's called the Ethiopian invasion. And during this, the League of Nations imposed a trade embargo and leather became scarce. You couldn't get it. So Guccio was like, we have to start using linen, raffia, jute, just whatever that they whatever they could get. Gucci also developed the curried leather technique, which is working like oil and grease into leather, it makes it really flexible and water resistant. And this is what started their handbag line in 1937. And this is a like that technique is widely used today i thought it was really interesting that he was the person to develop yeah for sure um he wanted to stay a small family-owned business but his sons specifically his son aldo talked him into launching a store in rome and expanding their line but he was adamant gucci said that the best vegetables come out of your own garden So they expanded. They did Florence and Rome and Milan, uh, but he wanted it to be only Italian. He wanted it to be an exclusively Italian brand, essentially. Guccio Gucci died in January of 1953. His sons, Aldo, Vasco, and Rodolfo, 
all took over the company. And in November of 1953, Aldo opened the first New York store. They wasted no time. (laughs) So the plans were, they had been set in motion before he even died. Uh, Guccio had known about it and he wasn't happy before he died, like right before he died. Uh, Aldo took him to New York City and convinced him that this was the way to go. 15 days after their shop on Fifth Avenue opened, Guccio had a heart attack. Yeah. Aldo was in America hanging with the Kennedys and Vasco. Typical. Yeah, Typical was, things. Uh, John Kennedy called him the, Itali- the Italian fashion ambassador to the United States. Like they were buds. Vasco uh, was running the factory that produced everything in Florence and Rodolfo was running the store in Milan. And this family is no stranger to drama. In fact, while he was alive, Guccio himself often pitted their his sons against each other. It was like a little competition is good for them, right? Um, and his the oldest Gucci child was his daughter, Grimalda. And he completely cut her out of the inheritance of the company because she was a woman. He said that no woman could inherit control of the Gucci company. Grimalda didn't even know that her father had cut her out until after he died. What the fuck? Yeah, her brothers, after he was gone, they were like, nope, you can't be a part of the actual business development, which is all she wanted. But she had worked in like the primary store for years. And I would have burnt it down. She had also helped bail them out of a bankruptcy at one point, like her husband had. She got some money and some land at a farmhouse, but that was it. Mm-hmm. In 1969, Aldo's son caused a ruckus, and he launched the Gucci Boutique, which took almost 10 years to reabsorb into the major brand. And soon after, Paolo Gucci, Aldo's other son, tried to launch Gucci Plus behind his dad and uncle's back. But they found out and they fired him and they sued him to block the use of Gucci's name. I say his dad and uncle because Vasco Gucci, the other one of the brothers, he died in 1974. Oh, wow. So Aldo and Rodolfo were the other two and they bought out Vasco's widow and they split the company 50-50. Aldo himself was technically the owner of Gucci America, but Gucci America was the one that opened retail locations in Paris and Tokyo and London, all the stores. Those were all Aldo and all Gucci America. I didn't know that. I, it's, it's there. I see why they made it a movie. <laughs> it's there's a lot of like, Oh really? In this, uh, in this story. Um, but it was creating conflict because Aldo was getting mad because, you know, Rodolfo's getting a 50% cut of all of this business that he's creating. Right. So in 1982, they consolidated everything again and Gucci went public to try to squash some of that drama. Now, Aldo was the older Gucci brother. He had three sons with his wife, Olwen, Giorgio, Roberto and Paolo. And we just heard about um, Paolo, and I think it was Roberto as well. We heard about them, but after spending more time in America, he pretty much just set his wife up with this beautiful Italian villa and then peaced out. 
and he moved this girl who worked in one of his shops in Italy. He moved her into his American apartment. Her name was Bruna. He married her in America, even though he hadn't divorced Olwen in Italy. Wow. But he mostly just worked. He never took a vacation. He ate and breathed Gucci, and he wanted his children to as well. They worked for the company from the time they were children. They apprenticed in the workshops. They Every summer, every break, they were working in stores or helping in the factory, whatever. Uh, he also gave each of his sons 3.3% of his stock. So wow. That That's left him with with only 40%, right? So he has 40% and all three of his sons have 3.3% of the stock. So technically he has the minority share, even though he runs the majority of the company. Uh, Rodolfo, the other of the brothers, he wanted to keep the peace. So he just let Aldo do whatever he wanted. He just would sign off if his brother wanted to do something. He almost never challenged him. Until 1983, when he died. Rodolfo was really key in creating the luxurious aspect of Gucci, like the gold and the crocodile and the velvet, like the iconic floral Gucci scarf, Mm -hmm. which I found out was made specifically for Princess Grace of Monaco. She had stopped into a store and... Uh, Rodolfo was trying to give her a gift and she was like, oh, how about you give me a scarf? And they didn't make scarves. And he's like, well, what do you want the scarf to look like? She's like, flowers. So he started making scarves for her specifically. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And that was all him. That was all him in Italy. And it was the same thing Guccio had said. The best vegetables come from your garden. He was all the detail, the really the clean stuff, you know. And Aldo, on the other hand, he was saturating the market with every single price point he could. He mass produced Gucci with the green and red and the double facing G's wherever he could because it brought in money. And Rodolfo's only child, his son, Maurizio, did not love that. Uh, Rodolfo's wife had died when Maurizio was only five and he never remarried or dated another woman because on her deathbed she made him promise her that Maurizio would never call another woman mama I know <laughs> it's like same I feel that honestly <laughs> my baby must never call another woman mama so he grew up with just his dad and, but wa- like honestly props for him for keeping that vow because like my husband would be winking like uh yeah (laughs) okay of course obviously never (laughs) they would never how are you gonna survive without a lady in the house oh man but he grew up with just his dad essentially from the time he was five he watched rodolfo create this lavish brand that paid attention to all of the details he worked in the italian shops he apprenticed with the finest gucci craftsmen in italy Uh, rodolfo was also incredibly protective of maurizio he always had a super strict curfew he had to abide by his father's rule when maurizio got into law school his dad sat him down and reminded him that he was a gucci 
and that there were young women who made it their job to trap men like him in order to get money. Trap his ass. In the summer of 1970, Maurizio went with his father to New York so that he could work for his Uncle Aldo. And he was really well behaved for a 24-year-old. He didn't drink. He didn't do drugs. He didn't do anything crazy. He was right before he was supposed to go to law school. But at one of the parties he attended over the summer, he met Patrizia Reggiani. And he was immediately obsessed with her. She had dark hair and wore dark makeup and tight dresses. She was very uh, gaudy almost. Mm -hmm. But she was different. She looked different than all the other women there. He asked her to marry him on their second date. But he did not tell his dad. His dad found out because the phone bill came in and it was outrageous. Rodolfo was like, what is this? So Maurizio Maurizio tried. Maurizio (laughs) finally had to tell him, I have a girlfriend. I love her. I want to marry her. He was not happy about it. Yeah, I can only imagine. (laughs) Patrizia was from Milan. And her father owned a transport company. So she also had money. It wasn't like she didn't have Gucci money. Mm-hmm. She had affluent business dad money, kind of. Apparently, her dad had adopted her because he was married when he got her mom pregnant. And so she couldn't take his name initially. Her mom worked in a restaurant when they met and began their affair. But inevitably, that guy left his wife for Patrizia's mom and adopted her. And he spoiled her relentlessly. He loved his daughter. In fact, once, Rodolfo was so mad about the relationship that Patrizia and Maurizio had, he called to speak to her father. Her dad was like, my daughter can talk to whoever she wants. And hung up on him, which good for him. Yeah, stick up for your girls, dads. But also, they're adults. <laughs> yeah, they're not like teenagers. Yeah, but they act like they are, you know. Uh, and I know that family culture in Italy is much different than family oh, culture in America. So, because of this, though, because that whole little incident where he's like, she can date whoever she wants, I don't want her to date my son. Rodolfo disinherited Maurizio. Um, So he, Maurizio, went running to Patrizia and her family, and they welcomed him. He worked for her dad during the day, and he would work through law school at night. He graduated, and then they got married in 1972. They moved into an apartment in Milan that her father gifted them. No, not one of... Maurizio Gucci's family members was at the wedding. No one came. Only like some of his friends from school. Eventually, Patricia was a demanding. She she knows what she wants. Even still. She's still around. But she went to Aldo and was like, hey, you need to fix this. And then Aldo was able to talk Rodolfo into re-inheriting his son. Okay, so Aldo... 
talked him into it because he wanted to train Maurizio to take over Gucci. He realized that none of his sons were up to it. Um, so he did. And the newly married couple, they moved to Manhattan and he started working for Gucci. They had two kids. Alessandro was born in 1976 and Allegra was born in 1981. After his dad died, Maurizio wanted Gucci to be exclusive and luxurious again. At one point, only celebrities and the wealthy were the people wearing Gucci. But in the 80s, you could literally buy it at the airport gift shop. And there were knockoffs everywhere. Mm -hmm. But now he owned the majority share of the company. And he wanted to get rid of any mass-produced item and any lower price point. So his lawyer that he got to start a legal battle was Rudy Giuliani. Whoa. <laughs> I know. It's so weird to hear these names and see how they tie into this family. So Rudy Giuliani was his lawyer, and they started this legal battle in 1983 where he was trying to gain control. And it, it lasted forever. Uh, Aldo was still there, and he's like, no, we're making millions of dollars we're not gonna go backwards and he's right the lower price price points for gucci were bringing in like 150 million dollars a year jesus they were losing some money though i mentioned that they had fired paolo and paolo still owned that 3.3 percent that his dad gave him so he could go to board meetings and he would he would just show up and start shit meetings would end in physical fights that sounds that Crazy. sounds petty as hell and i love it <laughs> i am here for that family drama like oh fancy meeting you guys here at this job that you fired me from what are he, we voting on i deny it <laughs> i don't vote on that he was super jaded by the fact that his dad and his uncle wouldn't let him start his own brand with his name and he was so you want to talk about petty he pulled all of the documents that showed that his dad hadn't paid $7 million in taxes and he gave them to the IRS. And in 1986, his dad had to serve a year in federal prison because of it. Jesus. <laughs> but I'm still here for that kind You're of thing. You're just like, okay, get your, <laughs> I guess whatever helps you sleep at night. So because of Paolo's crazy drama, they decide to have a secret board meeting and they all decide that Paolo, he's got to sell his shares. He can't be involved anymore. Maurizio knows there's bad blood there. And he's like, all right, I'm going to get Paolo to sell me his stake in the company because they're still embroiled in this legal battle, legal battle where Maurizio wants to gain control. And Paolo agreed to it. He was going to do it for $22 million and the ability to start Gucci Plus again, his own brand. But at the last minute, Paolo was like, you know what? No, I don't want to. <laughs> What's and up, then Paolo? And they found out Aldo had started Gucci Perfumes right around this time, even though um, no one else really wanted him to. And 
Aldo was trying to secretly move all of the money in the business into the Gucci perfume section because Maurizio and Rodolfo, they only own 20% of the perfume section. So he was like trying to make sure they didn't get money, essentially. More legal battles. The Gucci family spent the better part of the 80s just suing each other. After that fist fight, the famous fist fight, Paolo actually won several million dollars on the ability to produce his Gucci line. But before he could do anything, he died from liver failure due to chronic hepatitis. And the Gucci brand had to buy his name back again. So he had been injured in that fight and he sued them. He won, got what he wanted, blew through all of that money, and then died. And he never even got... He had bought a storefront, but like he never made anything for the brand. Oh, that's... Tragic. Can you imagine? No! <laughs> I w- Did he know that he had hepatitis? Do we know? Or like was it just like... I think he probably knew, but I doubt he took care and of like, it. And obviously it doesn't have the prognosis back then as it does now. Yeah. So, told you, he sent his dad to jail for tax fraud, Aldo. And Maurizio was like, I'm going to partner with someone who has the money to buy them out. Because he didn't have the money to buy them out. But InvestCorp, who also owned Tiffany's, did. And that company bought out all of Aldo's son's shares and inevitably the 16% that Aldo also had left. So Maurizio won. He was finally able to take over Gucci, and he wanted it to be that status symbol. And he instead immediately started running it into the ground. He pulled products from, there was 2,000 stores, and he pulled product from all of them to make it more exclusive. But now these stores are all open, and they don't have anything to sell. And he just put it in a warehouse. Like all so the he fab- wasn't even... Nope. He didn't do anything with it. He does eventually, but he's just letting these stores and this company hemorrhage money. Uh, Maurizio was running the day-to-day at Gucci, losing all their money. And Patricia, at the time, his wife, she was acting like a trusted advisor. She was um, a chief advisor at Gucci. But when this happened, after he finally took over and had this power that he thought he wanted, he began to change. He replaced her as an advisor. The company told her that her opinion was no longer needed or wanted. And he just kind of stopped talking to her. In May of 1985, he packed a suitcase and told his family that he had a business trip for a few days But the next day, a family friend stopped in to tell Patrizia that he wasn't coming back. He didn't even tell his family. It takes like, I'm going out. I'm going to the gas station. Going for smokes. I got to go pick up a pack of smokes. And And then never never coming back. saw him again. (laughs) Daddy's got a business trip, honey. What a shithead. I started out liking him. I don't think I do right now. Yeah, he... uh... This whole, they're all messed up. Yeah. This is just a heap of the craziest 80s drama that was real. And then a few days later, after that friend stopped by, another friend came by 
and said, <laughs> told it, told Patrizia, hey, Maurizio wants you to pack all of his bags and he's going to send a driver to pick them up. <laughs> Lit it all on fire. And gave them the ashes. Here's a duffel bag, a Gucci duffel bag full of ashes. Um, he arranged Oof. to see their children on the weekends, but he didn't speak to her again until September. What the like, hell? He was he obsessed was, with her. I know. Time time changes people, I guess. Um, I'm never letting my husband get any type of money or power. <laughs> if we stay right where we are, it's because I built it. That it was because he was he had never been free. He had his father reigning over him, and then he had her reigning over him. And so he just wanted to be free. You know, I feel that, though. Really, he just wanted to be like all of... He wanted to be the most important person in his life. He wanted to just do Gucci and him. I just got to do me, babe. It's not you, it's me. <laughs> For the first few years after he left, their marriage was social. They didn't divorce. They would go to events together to like keep it, you know, keep it looking good from the outside. And he would put $35,000 a month into her bank account. Which is not a bad, not a bad prize. I mean. But she was obsessed with him still. Like, she loved him. She was obsessed with him. And she had these Cartier journals. Cartier. <laughs> and she would just Jesus. write obsessively about him. Every single, anytime he called, what he did, where he was. She was devastated. But he found new love with an interior designer named Paola in 1991. And she, Patrizia, was pissed. He and Paola had met at a party, much like Patrizia before her. But unlike Patrizia, she was very laid back, very casual. Patrizia used psychics and astrologers often and... She had had her charts done. She had Maurizio's charts done to see when they were aligned. But then after he started dating her, she had Paola's done too. And they had a lot of similar placements. She and Paola did. So she was like, it makes sense that he's attracted to her. So Patrizia was into astrology? Yeah. Well, they both were. They both Uh, were. Maurizio was too, yeah. They kind of used their lay, their psychics and their astrologers as like therapists, essentially. Like they would pay them for advice, have them read their charts. I dig that. It's it's cool, it's mu- but it's much like what we did for an hour in my kitchen last time. You, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is exactly that. And you know, you feel like you learn certain things and you can see certain insights into why you do things. So they liked it. And Maurizio and Paola, they were kind of being secretive, but Patrizia had like an army of spies. My girl. She, like his cook at his house was one of her spies. People who worked at- down from the inside in. (laughs) People who worked at Gucci when she did were still watching him and like reporting back to her. Um, But she was still like seeing other men. Oh, yeah, of course. They owned several residences 
And he told her that she wasn't allowed to go to any of the other ones other than the one that she was in because Paola, who was an interior designer, she was going to redecorate them. So she responded by threatening to burn them to the ground. She asked the caretaker of the houses to put two gas tanks by the house and she would take care of the rest. The caretaker did not do that. So Patrizia started commissioning spells and potions for all of these houses. She would conduct seances to ask spirits to take vengeance for her. She got a... Hasn't she seen like any horror movie like that? Like you, she can't. didn't care. She wanted revenge. She was this hell hath no fury. You know, I feel that. I <laughs> feel that. But I would not fuck around with the paranormal. So at the time, Maurizio is building this like new home for Piola and he's spending all of this money. He's got debt climbing and climbing and climbing. And eventually he couldn't pay his child support and alimony. He would only sometimes put it into the bank and sometimes he wouldn't. So she couldn't pay her bills. And so not only was he deeply in debt, he was losing Gucci hundreds of millions of dollars He had taken out loans to refit his giant yacht to furnish the apartments. He had spent all of his inheritance that was in a Swiss bank account. All of his properties were mortgaged. And he had forged his father's signature on inheritance tax paperwork so he could, and he had to flee to Switzerland so he wouldn't be arrested. Because they, his cousins... Once again, you know, Paolo, the other guys. <laughs> exactly. They got the, they showed the police paperwork about his forgery and they were like, we're going to arrest him. But his driver, who had been with him since, since he was a kid, got him out and was like, you got to go. Just drive to Switzerland. Don't stop. His debt was close to $40 million. And eventually, banks were like, you need to pay us back. It's time. (laughs) Can you imagine being Gucci and getting debt collector calls? (laughs) Hello? Can I Mm. speak? Is Maurizio Gucci here? That's just Maurizio's personal debt. Gucci was in the red $17.3 million. So he's well on his way to $60 million in debt between Gucci and himself. He finally asked Patrizia for a divorce in 1991. And this moment, she was like, magic isn't going to work. She just started telling anyone who would listen that she wanted to see him dead. That same fall, 1991, she started to have really bad headaches. They got so bad that her 15-year-old daughter called the doctor for her. She checked into a clinic in Milan and learned that she had a large tumor the size of a cue ball on the frontal lobe of her brain, and her chances of surviving were slim. And they told Maurizio this, and he was like, oh, he was upset. He's like, I see why she's been so aggressive. It's this tumor. So she went and had surgery. Her mother, Patrizia's mother, discouraged Maurizio from visiting her even though he was visibly upset when he found out. And so she woke up expecting Maurizio to be there 
and he wasn't. And she was mad when she woke up. And then they told her she only had a few months to live. (laughs) So immediately, as soon as she could talk, she called her lawyers and said that she had been mentally unfit when she signed their divorce decree and she wanted to renegotiate because of the tumor. And as a result, she was awarded millions more than the first decree. Her tumor that remained was actually determined to be de- was determined to be benign and she began to heal. And with that healing came revenge. She wanted to get revenge. She sent him this cassette tape of herself just ripping him to shreds. It ended well, it didn't totally end like this. He ripped it out of the thing and threw it across the room. But the last thing he heard was Maurizio, the inferno for you is yet to come. And she started a smear campaign and she went on talk shows. She called papers. Oh my God. That he was, there were rumors that he was gay. And because she had started that. (laughs) (laughs) It's not funny because like, it's really sad to use someone's sexuality like that. But like, that is typical. What is this? Like, are we in the nineties? It's 1991. Yeah, Yeah. Early nineties. Like, but did you hear he's exactly exactly it was nothing to do with me i had nothing to do with the demise of my marriage he's gay exactly that is exactly what she did so this goes on for years in 1993 patrizia still has these spies and she finds out that he's about to lose the company she's like wait no don't lose the company that's my money too so she tries to talk to him She's like, hey, they just want you to step down and be an honorary chairman. You'll still get paid and the company will be preserved for our daughters to like inherit one day. Family business, right? Mm-hmm. But InvestCorp was looking for any possible way to buy him out. He was able many times to get just enough to keep his spot until he wasn't. On September 23rd, 1993, Maurizio Gucci signed his ownership of Gucci away. Patrizia was furious because she had made Gucci her identity and now was gone. And there is a lot more that goes into that whole situation with him losing Gucci and then putting people in place to try and manage it tom ford this is when tom ford was at gucci this they put him in place when it was going down yeah lots of uh lots of moving around there but it wasn't really key to this part of the story so (laughs) you could watch the movie to find that out i guess or read the book that i called house of gucci which the movie is based off of uh maurizio spent the next few months after he had stepped down in a depression, he felt like he had betrayed his dad. He was upset. But after a while, he kind of realized, like, wait, all my debts are gone. And I still have $100 million from my sell of the shares. So he was free. He disappeared for a few weeks, was in his yacht and on his beach home. And when he started to realize that he could maybe start a new business, he returned to Milan He gave himself $10 million to start any business as long as it wasn't fashion. 
And in November of 1994, Maurizio, Maurizio and Patrizia's divorce was final. Finally. He and Paola had spent their time in the apartment, occasionally seeing his daughters. Um, his daughter said that there were times when he would talk to them every day, numerous times a day. He would show up with presents, and then they wouldn't hear from him for just like months. So he was a very kind of wishy-washy father. Yeah. He finally thought that he had had this great idea. So he was going to his offices, his new offices that he had purchased, to hash out details on Monday, March 27th, 1995 at 8.30 a.m. As he walked up the steps to the building, a dark-haired man had stepped into the doorway, pulled out a gun, and shot him twice. A third shot entered the doorman next to Gucci. The doorman's arm was just grazed, but the gunman fired a fourth shot directly into Maurizio's temple, killed him instantly. But the police were there within minutes. Initially, the investigators were like, oh, it's because of all these debts he had or, you know, any of the feuds that the Gucci family was going through. But fairly quickly... They got an anonymous tip that Patrizia was probably responsible. Man. Just- Patrizia moved in to the apartment that Paola and Maurizio were sharing. Like the big fancy one he had just completely renovated. She, Paola had to move back to the place that she was at before. And she moved into it and she took down all of her interior decorating that she had just done. And she lived it up for two years. Whoa. And over two years of investigations and the police finally showed up at her door. And they were like, time to go. She put on a full mink coat and covered herself in gold and diamond jewelry. I was like, okay, I'm I'm ready. Let's go. And the investigator told her mom, he was like, hey, you better tell her that she can't take this stuff. We're going to take it all anyways when she gets to jail. And through a witness, the witness, it was confirmed. Patrizia paid $375,000 to three or four different people including her psychic who had found the hitman and the getaway driver and they were all charged. So Patrizia had gotten her psychic and her psychic had found this guy who needed money, who was in debt from like gambling. He worked at a, he was a mechanic at like a car, car mechanic, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then another guy just worked in a pizza place. So they all got jail time. You know, uh, I can get behind the scorned ex-wife. I can get behind that. I can get behind her wanting to burn the houses down and being petty and wanting more money. But what the hell? She has never admitted it to this day. She is stone cold. She did not do it. Um, she was sentenced to 29 years in 1998, and they released her in 2016. So 
She served a lot of time. Yeah, she did. Well, all of them, they all got around between 25 and 29 years. Wow. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, she got a, she was granted an emotional support ferret that she like had. Uh, it died because another prisoner sat on it. No. I know. Isn't that sad? Um, I'm most disappointed about the ferret. So sad about the ferret. Uh, she lives in Italy. She's penniless. She hasn't seen her daughters since she left prison. Oh, wow. The daughters both inherited their father's fortune and they live in Switzerland. They keep to themselves. They still have the yacht. Uh, Patrizia lives with her mother and sometimes wishes that she was still in prison. (laughs) They, uh, they offered her parole in like 2011. It was like a work parole. Like you can, if you go and work, you don't have to be in jail. And she was like, I've never worked a day in my life. I'm not going to start now. Even though she'd been in prison for like 20 years. Whoa. I know. And then, so in 2016, she took like a consultant's job at like a costume jewelry. So she designs costume jewelry on a consultant. What happened to Paola? She still, I guess, has pictures of Maurizio everywhere. She just didn't do anything. She's still sad about it. She got nothing, though. There was, like, Patrizia literally got everything because of the divorce. You know, I... And they weren't married. They were just living together. They were together for, like, five years. Paola and Maurizio. I don't... I'm, like, failing to see, like, what... Marie, I mean, I understand. Yeah, he was a shitty husband, wishy-washy father at times. But a lot of men are. A lot of women are shitty wives and wishy-washy moms. A lot of – and she was like – had side pieces too. Yeah, she was just obsessed with the status and the things she were she cared more about the houses and the money and all of that being taken away from her. her him I, him selling his shares in Gucci probably just set it set her over the edge. Yeah, and also he she, I think what really set her over the edge is she heard that they were talking about getting married and she Oof. she was worried that they were going to have a baby. Because really, that was her stronghold over him, right? Like, what, were oh, the I girls? Have, yeah, I have the kids. You you owe me because of the kids. He had given his older daughter like $93,000 because his own dad never, his own dad never really like gave him any money. He was really strict. So he gave her this money. He said, you know what? This is your money to like pay for your graduation party or whatever you want to do. You spend it how you want, but it's up to you. And then her bank account got overdrafted like fifty thousand more dollars on top of the ninety three. And he's like, "I'm really disappointed. What happened?" But it was because Patrizia had spent most of it. Oh, what the hell? Yeah, she's a shitty person, and I, yeah, I was she, behind the pettiness. But man, no, I can't she's get not nice. That. They're all <sighs> so. Yes. There is no one in the Gucci family that owns any stock in gucci now no no gucci is just a brand the same way that like 
any brand is just a brand. No, it's not family owned any anymore. They still use the same like facilities that they used to. So they still have the same kind of like quality control. It's just better organized and better run now. Cause <laughs> and all of the old like backward like the facing G's are what you find on the streets of Manhattan with the men in the sheets. Is that what all that is? It's um so a lot of that stuff, like all the stuff he pulled and all of the like knockoff stuff, whatever, he sold it to a guy in China. Like he sold it, like, but not for how much it was worth. He just did it to make a quick buck. That's how he kept coming up with the money to not lose the company. Oh, that makes he sense. He would just like <laughs> offload some of the money. He was not a very good businessman. Like he went to law school and he knew the other side of it, like the work side of it, but he just didn't, he didn't know how to make the money. I think he just got in over his head and he refused to listen to anyone because they yeah. hired people to try to help him and he just would not listen. I think He's he like, was so set on it being this pretentious, unattainable yeah. brand that, I mean, if you if you start that like if you stay if you from start to finish you're like that like and that's how you make your money but you can't go like luxury 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 okay everyone's going to be able to get it just kidding you can't have it anymore if and if that's where most of your money's coming from you're you're obviously yeah. going to struggle what's crazy is that is how they got the company back in the black though the they brought in this woman oh i cannot remember her name but she's like she's a very famous retailer and she closed all the stores to just 150 stores and like all over the world and they stocked quality items again at the high price points and that is what brought gucci to the point where it is today he wasn't wrong like he had the right idea he just couldn't impl- he didn't know how to implement it mm. That's unfortunate. And also um, in reading the book House of Gucci and all about like the products and how they were made, I got on like a kick searching for vintage Gucci stuff. (laughs) And I was like, man, maybe I want a pair of Gucci loafers. And I like looked them up. I'm like, oh, God, they're $800. No, I don't. I if I and I know this is going to sound very pretentious and I apologize if you're on the other end of hearing this, but I'm going to say it anyways. If I don't wake up on Christmas morning to a Gucci belt downstairs, I will burn my entire house down. Why have you asked for one? For like five years. And you still haven't got it? I still have. Okay. So my husband has on many occasions told me, just get the damn belt. But I don't want to buy the belt for myself. I want you to buy it for me. I want it to be a gift. I want to open it and be like, oh, it's just what I always wanted. You just want so, like the black one or like the yeah. red and green one? No, nope, just a black one with the G's. With the double G's. But not a fake one. Like I want it to – because my sister-in-law was like, oh, my God, you just get on Etsy. They have them like knock off. I was like, no. 
it's not what I want. I, I want the this. real one. I bought this $75 knockoff Louis Vuitton when I was in Manhattan and the guy had it on like the sheet. I bought that. <laughs> I don't want that. I want the real Gucci belt. But also you better it. get it my size too, because if you get it too small, I'm going to be real sad. <laughs> I'm also going to judge you for that. Look, it's pretty cheap for Gucci. It's $380. It really is. <laughs> Do I need it? No. Do I ever wear belt? But I have this like image and I know it's like really trendy right now. And that's probably why I want it so bad. A girl I used to work with was like, no girl, it's not the Gucci. Everyone's got the Gucci. Get the vintage Chanel one. And I was like, that's so much more expensive. But you're right. I also want that. (laughs) Actually, I'll have it all. I want all of it and I will never, I cannot afford any of it. So I'm just gonna... No, I want it, but it's like, I want to pay the thrift store price for it. I want to stumble upon it for $7.99. Like, that's how I felt with these. Uh, again, we're at the end. So we're going to babble for a few of you. This is not your thing. I have been looking for a year now. The vintage high-waisted mom jeans the Levi's that our moms wore those, the specific light colored. I know exactly what you're talking about. I can show you 14 pictures of my mom wearing them. Yeah. Like I have wanted them. I have so many cute crops. I'm like, Oh my God. And I have a gun. These pants. I have a guns and roses concert coming up with the first of September. I'm like, I need these jeans. And I have like went on eBay before and they're like, I mean, they're not Gucci Chanel prices, but it's like still like $70 because it's like vintage. And I'm like, I don't want that. And then fun fact, I don't know if you're a thrifter, you probably know this, but our sizes like now are not the sizes they were. So you're going to try on your normal size and then be very sad. It's going to be like a can of busted biscuits. If you can even (laughs) get it busted, it's, or even zipped, it's just, Save yourself the trouble, buy three or four sizes bigger because they're not made the same. So I'm shopping at Goodwill and I see a pair and they were the size I thought I needed. And I was like, well, this is the day I've been waiting for. Thank you, thrift gods. And then I put them on and I was like, no wonder our moms have so many kids because damn, (laughs) I look good. (laughs) <laughs> I say that's that awesome. I also have three kids, but <laughs> you get spoiled with thrift store stuff. Like I yeah, get it. I'm like, sure. oh my god, look how nice this is. And then I have to go buy real, like full price, actual like, price things. You're like, Mm-mm. I had to take uh, my kids school shopping. Well, I didn't have to take her, but like she needed stuff because she is growing, right? She I feel that. Yeah, different sizes. So normally every other year when she grows each year, I go to the thrift store and I like stock up. We did it last year. We like, yeah, we hit like four Goodwills and like piled up our cars. Stocked up. Yeah. And then this year I was like, you know what? We'll go to Target. And it was just the worst feeling to pay for mm-hmm. new clothes. I was like, Ugh, I hate this. But she I- does look cute in them. She looks cute and everything. (laughs) I have to buy, my middle son is very petite. He's just 
we he's joke dainty. that he, yeah, he's dainty. We joke that he has like bird bones because he's so light and he's just like very sli- sl- slender framed. So he is like a slim. I can't, he does, and unless it has the button pants, you know, like on the sides, it's just not happening for him. And he's gotten taller. He's, he grew two sizes from what I had to buy last year, which for us is like a huge thing. That's awesome. I did buy the Cat and Jack jeans from Target because they're like, they were on sale. I got them for like eight bucks a pair. And I was like, okay, this is fine for him. But my oldest is the opposite. He is now in men's sizes. He's like a 28. 29 which is a very odd size to have to find anyways but he's a 28 in men's or like a 16 in like little boys but you can't really find those without them looking like little boy clothes the price he doesn't want to look like a little boy (laughs) no and this is the first year my middle son will never care what he wears never that's just not his personality he feels it if it feels brand new I have to wash all of his new jeans like three times before next week when school starts because if they feel fresh and stiff, he will not wear them because he has worn like hand-me-downs for my oldest so often. So like if when he goes to try on shirts in the morning, he reaches up and he touches it. And if it's like not soft enough, he won't wear it. But this year, sixth grader is like, I would like the Greek freak Giannis sneakers for school. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. They're ugly. And he's a size nine in men's. Greek? I'm Googling it. Yeah. I mean. Giannis? Yeah. I just put Greek freak basketball shoe. He doesn't play basketball, by the way. So. And then like for soccer this year, I bought him sock cleats they for spring. They are kind of cool. I see why he wants them. <laughs> but like I just bought like he wanted his spring cleats don't fit him. So I had to buy him new fall soccer cleats. And he was like, I would like the Cristiano Ronaldo soccer cleats. Like you do not play Cristiano Ronaldo level soccer. So no, (laughs) but you know, my mom never did that for me. My mom, I could tell her exactly what I wanted and she'd be like, no, you can't. And like, we would just get like, you know, same the cheaper version of it. So I was like, you know what? I work hard. This is why I work as hard as I do. Okay, we'll buy these cleats for you. And then I went and I was like looking in the kids section. And I was like, oh God, you're a size nine in men's. I have to buy full price size shoes now. And they were like a hundred dollars. Then I know he's going to, I was, I, it was right here, the vomit. You like you have to wear those little bags over these shoes so I can sell them when you grow out of them in six months. I told him literally, if I look up and you are volunteering to sit the bench again, like we did in spring soccer, I will <laughs> shove these feats up your ass. But not really. That's a figure of speech. There's no child abuse going on. It's just a joke. Please don't. He was volunteering to sit the bench. Me too. Honestly, that's how I would play sport ball. Uh, you need a bench? I will do that. Can you want me to pour the Gatorade? I will also do that. Thank you. He, he also wanted a $20 Gatorade G something water bottle. I guess you can put these discs in it to like make Gatorade, but he doesn't want that. He just wants water. 
<laughs> in this Gatorade water, fancy Gatorade water bottle. And like we had an argument, me, him, and my husband at Dick's Sporting Goods because my husband was like, Connie, just get him the water bottle. And I'm like, it's $20. <laughs> we went through four water bottles last school year. Because he lost them or? Yeah, he just would leave them on the bus. Was it just like plastic too? Like, yeah. or is it? Yeah, it's nothing fancy. I got one of the like. I'm looking these things up as you tell me them. And I'm just like, look, this one at Target looks like those, but it's only $5.99. Well, too late. (laughs) Did you buy the $20 water bottle? I did buy the $20 water bottle. (laughs) Well, when he loses that one, you can get these at Target. So if we have any other like middle school, high school moms, I feel you. I'm in the trenches with you now. I am not in the trenches with you. But also my, you know what I don't like though about, cause I only have girls. When you go and you try to buy little girls clothes, you can either buy them like tiny hipster art school student. I love that. Like tiny, my mom styled me for her blog outfits mm-hmm. or like Jojo Siwa. That's it. There's yeah. no in between. And she doesn't like those. Like she doesn't like any of those. She doesn't. She likes bright colors and rainbows and unicorns and kittens and stuff. Standard six-year-old girl things. Standard six-year-old things. Yeah. But yeah, they are like not easy to find. No. Like child appropriate, I think. And she's pretty tall. Yeah, so- she is very tall. So, and that's the thing though. Like she's six but she wears like you know eight ten twelve depending on how it runs and in eight tens and twelves those clothes look like they're they get like like tweens yeah they get like real teenagery real quick yeah and so she just wants like hot pink with hearts and rainbows but Instead, they're trying to sell me like mustard ribbed crop tops for. <laughs> I know. In a size ten, I'm like, no. I think about that sometimes with my daughter because she is also she her our daughters are built the exact same, so I know that that day will come for me because I mean she's she'll be three and she wears like size six. And I like that fashion. Like, I personally like that fashion stuff. Mm-hmm. I have asked her if she likes that and if she wants to get something like that before. And she's always like, ew, no, that's boring. Or, ew, no, I hate that. Like, you know. Your eh. daughter is my favorite because you are raising me. <laughs> well, you're welcome. You can send her we your are way kindred. Her in a couple of years. We're besties. <laughs> She's going to talk shit about you one day to me. Good. And I fully expect you to back me up and not her. (laughs) I for sure will. (laughs) Or I'll pull a Gucci and stay in Switzerland. (laughs) Dude. I tried to find more info on his daughters and like look them up because I really wanted to see like the yacht now. Because this yacht is famous. It is the yacht. It's enormous. Uh, it was owned by like, is it Nikos Stavros? Stavros? It's Stavros. It's yeah. another like Italian gajillionaire. But it's really old. It's like, it is the world's 
largest wooden sailing yacht. Wow. And it's beautiful. But yeah. Oh, wait, I, need I just to know real quick what, if you are listening from a different country, let me know how y'all's billionaires are like most of the time these gorgeous men with lots of money, and we get Jeff Bezos <laughs> and Zuckerberg. Like, oh, fuck. Sorry, I've used that three times today. I'm, I apologize. She doesn't. It's fine. I don't apologize. I was feeling a little sassy today. <laughs> but really, I want. I think because it's old money versus it new is money. Old money and like, our new money looks like hipsters who like have coffee stains and are trying to go to space. Look, their kids and like. Their grandkids will probably be a lot more, you know, because they'll already have it. They don't have to worry about building a business. They just have to worry about looking good. I signed the petition to get him to stay in space. <laughs> just on a whim. I was Make like, Jeff sure. He says stay in space. It was like a change.org and it popped into my email. And I was like, I will sign that. Absolutely, I will. I didn't sign it, but you can sign it for me if it pops back in there. All right, guys. Well, <laughs> I'm super excited for this movie now that because I knew like, I'll be honest, I like fashion a lot, but I that is I had I knew a little bit of the family drama, but like I did not know the gist of like the assassination or anything. Yeah. And uh, like it, it's kind of a different episode for us. No, but, I dig it. I like it. We don't but, cover a lot of the bigger ones. So I'm glad that I just thought it would be interesting to read about and it's interesting to hear about. I'm glad you here. And it was just so much, there was so much more drama in it than I had expected there to be. I was just like, Oh my. And it's all elite. Like it's all crime. (laughs) Two assassinations. Don't worry. We'll get you back to horrific shit soon. (laughs) And by soon, I mean next week. We'll see you then. Thank you so much for listening to Gruesome Horrific True Crime. We love you, beautiful strangers. And if you love us too, and you'd like us to keep putting out ad-free content, here are some of the ways that you can help support Gruesome. You can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us, and you get a I-knew-them-before-they-were-famous moment. Follow Gruesome Podcast on Instagram and talk to us on our posts. Engage with us. We love to hear from you there. If you'd like to send a donation, we have a Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club and to gain access to exclusive Patreon perks. If a one-time donation is more your thing, you can find our Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and our PayPal using our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of which, we love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us questions, comments, suggestions, or just ask our opinion on whether or not that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not. Tune in next week and don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors, and on Wednesdays, we're We're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye. Bye.